Welcome to Business Lens, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Hill, host of Motley Fool Money, the number one stock investing radio show in America. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you. And you know what? Today, our show is badly named. Maybe it's badly named all the time. I don't know. But I really want to take a lens on a very meta question today. It's not just business. It's sort of the whole enchilada. When you look at business and economics and the overall climate, the consumer climate, I think the big question today is, are we in a recession? And does that really even mean anything anyway? You you were throwing at me before we got on the air a few kind of, I guess what I'd call subtopics here, or maybe they're, they're proof points that you could use to argue either way. And I thought maybe what we would do is we would look through them and then kind of take this step back to, to look at the question of a recession, because that really has been on the lips of economists and media analysts and business analysts in recent weeks. And I'm not sure where we really landed on that. So, all right, first of all, first of all, let's just look at the the macro picture. There's a lot of economic indicators flying around recently on inflation and growth and jobs. What do you make of the big macro picture? I think we're in generally good shape in terms of the U.S. economy. I think your question of are we in a recession or not, I think for the certainly for the first time in my lifetime, um, the question, given all of the data that we have, to me is not, are we in a recession or are we not? To me, the question is, does it matter? And the reason I say that, Matt, is because, and I said this on, on Motley Fool Money recently, if we're in a recession, it is unlike any recession I've ever seen in my lifetime or even read about in my lifetime. There used to be um, and maybe it's just because the world is more complicated now, but they, you know, there used to be a point in time where um, being in a recession meant several large things about our economy. It meant that unemployment was rising. It meant that uh, economic conditions in general for the average American were worse. And when you look at unemployment at three and a half percent, when even when there is um, the inflation that we've seen over the past years, we still have a stock market that's, uh, and, and we'll get into sort of the, the recent performance of parts of the stock market in, in a few minutes here. Um, we have a market that is holding steady. We are in earnings season right now. And some of the biggest companies are reporting not just positive earnings, but um, they're providing guidance for the next year or so that point to higher earnings in the future. So the, the confusion is understandable because we're, uh, again, we, we really haven't had this set of conditions before while at the same time, technically having the classic definition of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Which even in itself isn't even technically a recession. That's sort of the rule of thumb version of it. But ultimately, the question of whether we're 
in a recession, can, can you hear by the tone of my voice that I'm air quoting that, <laughs> is left to a panel of eight economists at the National Bureau of Economic Research. And if you've heard of that board before, then you either read the New York Times or congratulations, you're a total nerd like me. I very much vibe with what you're saying here, though, overall, which is this reminds me, this question of whether we're in a recession of what I've at my at home, I've come to call the buddy tape principle. I think I've told you this story before. My wife is a doctor. She came home one day and said that she had seen a patient who she suspected may have fractured a toe. And I said, oh, well, I assume you x-rayed it. And she said, no. And I thought to myself, well, I married a crappy doctor. And she then explained no, 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 I'm not going to bother to do that because why expose my patient to unnecessary radiation? I'm going to treat it the same way, whether it's fractured or just sprained, strained, whatever. And so I've come to think of that as, well, it only really matters. The buddy tape principle is it's only worth litigating if it changes what is going to happen and, and what you do. And I, I guess I could think of three reasons why this question might matter. One is that in economics, there is some thought that the way people feel about the economy can matter in terms of future inflation. If you expect more inflation, that can drive more inflation. If you expect that economic conditions are going to be bad, you may spend less and you may save more and that may decrease consumption and that may become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it can matter. It also comes up because it matters politically. If, if I mean, that's the that's the political the, the reason that so many people talk about this is that Republicans are salivating at the prospect of saying, "See, we're in a recession." And I think it also there's kind of a third reason, which it it, it sort of matters in terms of the reality of how people feel, how people feel, and how it determines sort of you know, like the, the the way we drive the economy forward, to some extent, really, the, the definition is self-fulfilling. If if we think we're in a recession, then we're in a recession. All right. I just said a lot there, but that's I, I do think it's meaningful, but but maybe not in a, in a technical sense. Does any of that make sense to you? Uh, no, it does. And and I, I absolutely understand the, the the political interest in whether or not we are in a recession. Um, but I think that from an economic standpoint, um, th again, this is unlike anything we've seen before. Um, there are, yes, there are large companies that have either frozen hiring or they're slowing hiring. There are plenty of companies out there that are ramping it up. Uh, and again, when you look at unemployment at three and a half percent, when you look at the national average for a, the price of a gallon of gasoline, which is now you know under four dollars a gallon. Um, it, it, it's hard to um, it's hard to see the downsides, the systemic downsides that we've seen in previous recessions. Right. You know, this is if we're in a recession, it is a heck of a lot milder than the one we saw in two thousand nine and twenty ten. Right, and what what the question is really getting at is. How are we doing? It's like the 1980s. New York City Mayor Ed Koch was famous for asking, how am I doing? That was sort of his catchphrase. Well, that's really what you're asking when you point to, are we in a recession or not, is 
How are people doing? And there are different ways to look at it. Do you have a job if you want one? Well, it seems like people do. Can you afford the things you want and need? Well, that's that's not so good right now, but it's heading in a better direction. And how how is our national wealth? And that's where the GDP figure comes in. And again, eh, not not very good, but maybe when revised figures come out, maybe we'll think differently about it. All right, well, let's let's look at the the types of indicators that you look at. So first of all, we were just talking in our last show about the fact that the stock market isn't a great barometer necessarily of the real economy, but to the extent that there's some relationship there, you're you, are we now entering a bull market? Technically, which appears to be the word of the day, Matt, technically. <laughs> technically. Um, technically, the NASDAQ. Boy, is that, is that a great way to sound like a jerk? Like, you know how you're not supposed to say actually anymore because yeah. you sound conceited? Well, technically. Yeah. All right. Well, technically. But technically, the NASDAQ is in bull market territory. Um, it, it sort of, um, you know, we, we just had the worst first six months uh, of the year for the stock market writ large that we've had in 50 years. But since mid-June, when the NASDAQ sort of bottomed out, um, it is up more than 20% from that point. So, um, you know, to, I was thinking when you were talking about how, um, how narratives become this sort of ephemeral yet important way in which we talk about the economy. Um, if you turn on CNBC, if you turn on Bloomberg or Fox Business, um, because of the bounce back of the NASDAQ, because some of the big S&P 500 uh, stocks have reported earnings and are doing well, the narrative has changed from, oh my goodness, everything is on fire to, hey, some of these companies are doing better than we thought they were doing. Um, they've righted the ship. Uh, so I, I think in terms of the NASDAQ, that's, that's an interesting story because for, let's call it at least nine months, the story with tech stocks, and that's really, when we think about the NASDAQ, that, that's a tech-heavy index. Uh, for the previous nine months, it had been uh, uh, just a terrible place with so many, some of whom are you know, tied to good businesses that just kind of got ahead of themselves. But, um, you know, that's, it's nice to see that bounce back. Um, and I, I think that uh, some of the more straightforward, um, non-exotic businesses like Walmart um, and Home Depot are, are, are starting to, uh, to do well also. It is exceedingly strange because when I think back over our recent episodes together, and of course, if, if people are listening and they want more of this, they really want a, a, a more fine grained way to track what's going on. Just subscribe to Motley Fool Money because you get a dose every day of some of the best expert analysts out there. And what comes across is, you know, during that period where the story we were telling ourselves was basically eh, not very good and the indicators are negative. You kept consistently pointing out, well, but we're over tilting too. You know, you'd get these fairly anodyne earnings reports, and the market would sort of freak out and act disappointed and say, "This is this is terrible." And then you'd get some, you know, uh, kind of uh, better earnings reports. The market wouldn't wouldn't give them credit, and so it, it's it really does kind of 
you can twist yourself into mental loops trying to figure out the relationship between sort of the the story writ large. We're telling ourselves how various sectors and actors in the in the marketplace of ideas are cheerleading for different outcomes, kind of both politically and for economic reasons. And how confusing it kind of all becomes in the aggregate. All right. That piece of very confused analysis aside, you just referred to the situation with major retailers, obviously something that you and the Motley Fool Money crew always keep a close eye on. You're saying that Walmart and Home Depot, the major retailers are looking kind of good. What's up with them? So both companies came out with second quarter earnings reports uh, Tuesday morning. And uh, both had results that were better than expected. And, you know, these are, you know, in the case of Walmart, you're talking about the largest retailer in America. Uh, in the case of Home Depot, the, you know, with Lowe's, the dominant home improvement business. So these are, these are two enormous companies that give us insight into consumer spending because we, you and I were talking earlier about how people feel and, I don't want to discount how people feel. That's important. Emotions matter. But it also matters what people actually do with their money. Right. Um, and so you can say, ah, I'm really scared about the economy. I'm not going to spend. But then you look at the results from Walmart and Home Depot and you can say, oh, people are actually going out and spending money. But I think within both earnings reports, there were there were some interesting clues to sort of the, that that highlight where we are as a country in terms of inflation, the macroeconomic environment, and what people are doing with spending. In the case of Walmart, part of what was driving Walmart's results this last quarter was they got new customers and they got more frequent visits from higher income families. Mm. Uh, Walmart is a place that uh, makes its bones on value. It is a value proposition business. They do not make um, enormous profit margins. Um, they make their money on volume. So their, their whole promise to their customers is you're going to get good value when you shop here. And it is a place, um, uh, because of all the locations across the country, um, it's a place where a lot of folks at the lower end of the economic income spectrum tend to shop. And I think when you look at the data point of Families whose household income is over $100,000 a year, more of them over the last three months making more trips to Walmart. Um, and this is something Doug McMillan, the CEO, talked about in an interview where he said, and this wasn't really a surprise, but at least it's good to get the confirmation, where he talked about how the customers, everyone shopping at Walmart is price conscious. And so the fact that you have higher income families spending more money in more trips to Walmart, I think gives you a sense of, of what inflation has done for a lot of families. Um, you know, in, in the case of Home Depot, um, there's, and this is, I'm going to be a little bit of a nerd here, but there's a, a metric in uh, retail, which is the average ticket, which is simply all the customers who shopped at a store over the quarter you add them all up, all the money they spent divided by the number of visits, and that's the average ticket price. How much money did the average customer spend on their trip? And in Home Depot's case, the average ticket rose 9% for the quarter. Mm. 
$90 was what the average transaction was at Home Depot. And almost all of that, Matt, was driven by inflation. And so you and I have talked a lot before about pricing power. We love to see at the Motley Fool, we love to see businesses that have pricing power. Chipotle is a great example. They're able to raise the Starbucks as well. They're able to raise the price of a cup of coffee and customers will pay it. In the case of Home Depot, it's not so much that they're exercising a huge amount of pricing power, but they are passing along the cost of inflation to customers and customers are paying. And so, uh, you know, both those stocks were up as a result of their earnings reports. And again, because of how big these retailers are in related but different segments of the consumer economy, I think that gives you a sense of, uh, at least for now, of people are aware of, uh, of inflation. They are being a little bit more mindful of how and where they spend their money. Um, I think this is going to continue for a little while until inflation um, you know, drops off more. Um, but if this were a recession like we had seen in the past, we would have seen much worse numbers out of both these companies. And I think the trend lines are significant as well, because part of what you do all the time on Motley Fool Money, and I think what political analysts do too, when you look at polling data and economic data, and you, you try and make sense of the bigger picture of what's going on is you take multiple points of evidence. And you were delineating earlier between people's feelings and then raw dollars and cents numbers. And I think the, the best view one can get puts those together. And so it's, it's sort of useful for an for understanding the bigger picture when those things line up and tell some kind of a coherent story. And in this case, you see measures like the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey, which has been increasing over the last month, meaning consumers are feeling better. They're feeling better about their personal economic situation and their prospects um, as consumers. And you see that metric lining up with some of these spending figures at the retailers, and it starts to put together kind of a coherent story. But then, of course, that just sets up the question, all right. Well, what next? Where are we going from here? Let's let, it, let let's put aside the issue of are we in a recession? Are we not? Because technically, there I go again. It's not going to be decided for at least several months by an obscure board of economists. What really matters is the real world economic performance. So I want to ask you about what you're paying attention to in that regard. The first thing is I, I want to bring up hiring. Because what I'm nervous about is my wife and I just had to stay in a hotel overnight, which is very rare, and they couldn't run the continental breakfast. Why? Because they told us we don't have enough staff to put out breakfast in the morning. At my wife's place of employment, there's a dining services crew. They cannot hire enough people to staff it. And the starting salary at Dunkin' Donuts that was advertised when we were on the road to the hotel was $17 an hour. And so all of these are like, you know, the plural of anecdote is data, but I'm just seeing all these signs around me that a lot of employers are desperate to hire people and can't. And I'm really wondering, how is that going to shake out as we hit the back to school season and then ultimately the, the holiday season? I think that is maybe the most important question right now for American businesses, because um, in the same way that in, in normal economic times, in you know non-recessionary times, um, you see some businesses that are just better operators than other, 
others, they're better run than others. Um, I, I think the, the stakes have increased for the current environment. And this is a real challenge for a lot of businesses. I mean, um, I, I, I think it was a year or so ago, you and I were talking about um, the restaurant industry and how this was, a, this was a challenge across the industry. And they were doing everything they could um, to get people in the door just to apply. Um, I do think it will normalize over time. And I think the, um, the businesses who are able to um, make a compelling case to get people in the door and keep them, um, because that's part of it as well, is, is, is making sure that um, they can keep employees. I think seasonal hiring um, is going to be really important to watch this year, because if we start hearing, uh, and typically we, we start hearing it in September, we start hearing from Walmart and Amazon and Target and other major retailers what they are doing in terms of seasonal hiring November and December. We're going to get those estimates in a couple of weeks. If we start hearing in October that these companies are running into real problems with their seasonal hiring, I think that is a red flag um, because these are the biggest, most successful retailers in America. And if systemically they're not able to, because again, they're not even looking for full-time help at that point. They're looking to get people in the door and working for them for six, maybe eight weeks. And if they can't make that work, then that's going to be a red flag. And of course, the concern that we should all feel, especially economists and and people in policymaking positions, is the mechanism of the, the the chief mechanism of inflation that traditionally one worries about is people seeking jobs and bidding up their wage because they either expect inflation or they recognize that there is a labor shortage and they're going to take advantage of it. And so, I guess the concern that that I would feel is. You know, what we're seeing right now is literally 3.46% unemployment, the lowest unemployment figure in the last 50 years, but labor force participation is down, meaning everyone who wants a job pretty much can get one, but there are a lot of people out there who aren't being drawn in off the sidelines by the promise of a $17 an hour wage at Dunkin' Donuts or whatever they're offering in the hospitality and restaurant sector. And so that would start to create a concern for me if if retailers are getting nervous about their holiday hiring and they have to bid up those, those wages in order to get the workers they need in the door, I worry about seeing another round of inflation. And I guess that gets me to my final question to you. That's the figure that I think is highly relevant here is that month to month inflation report. Now, the last one of these that came out said, look, between June and July, there was 0% inflation. Of course, the White House went nuts and said, see what we're doing, really what the Fed is doing is working. Things are turning around. This is good. And then a certain segment of America didn't like that. And they said, no, no, no. Inflation's still eight and a half percent. Well, the answer is both things are true. Prices are eight and a half percent higher than they were a year ago. That's what most people care about. But from an economist standpoint, in terms of reading where the tea leaves are going, you really care what the trajectory is. So are you keeping, do you agree that month-to-month inflation is in fact highly relevant? And second of all, is that one of the key things you're keeping an eye on? Uh, Yes and yes. I've never been more interested in the monthly CPI report in my life. Um, It was uh, 
a, a data point that uh, I would pay attention to once in a great while. Um, but no, I, I think that is the thing to keep watching. And keep in mind, this last report we got, um, the, the, the inflation being better than expected, because the expectation from economists was it would be 8.7% higher than a year ago. It was only, in air quotes, 8.5% higher than a year ago. Um, it was due almost entirely to the drop in the price of gas. So I think this next report, not only is the headline number going to be worth watching, but it's going to be worth digging into what is right. If it is, in fact, lower, is it being driven entirely by the price of gas or is the cost of food starting to come down as well? Because that's, um, you know, not everybody has the same cost of gas, um, but everybody's got to put food on the table. And that's, that's really the thing I'm going to be watching with the next report. Which brings us back to people's real world experience of the economy and the technical question of, are we in a recession? We've come full circle. Chris Hill, Motley Fool Money. Thanks so much. Thank you.